Welcome to Crime Soup Podcast. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Hannah. And today we'll be diving into the horrific case of the monster Joseph Fritzel. There's a huge trigger warning of sexual assault, child abuse, mentions, but no details, medical abuse, death of an infant. Please skip this episode if this information will be too upsetting for you. It had seemed an innocent enough request. Could she help him hoist a door into its frame? Elizabeth Fritzel followed her father down into the bowels of the cellar that he had been building for months in the garden beneath the family home. It was a hot day in August 1984, the same month that Prince released his hit Purple Rain, and the same month that the space shuttle Discovery took off on its maiden voyage. Elizabeth climbed down the stairs into the cellar and helped him fix the door in the dusty confines of his underground creation. As she turned to leave, a piece of cloth soaked in ether was held over her mouth and nose, and her world went dark. Elizabeth and her father, Joseph Fritzel, were not on good terms. Elizabeth was one of five daughters that Joseph and Rosemary Fritzel had, she was born in Amstetten, Austria, a beautiful town in the lower area of the country. And you'll have to forgive me if I mispronounce all the Austrian names, because I absolutely will. Elizabeth had recently turned 18, and she was ready to leave her childhood home and start her new life. She was planning to attend a university, and she had gotten a job that would take her to the North Austrian city of Linz. She had been out partying with her friends in the weeks before their new responsibilities were about to begin. Joseph Fritzl seemed to have it out for his strong-willed, stubborn, and independent daughter. He didn't like the life she was living, and he hated that she was about to gain even further independence from him. It was probably because Joseph Fritzl had been sexually abusing Elizabeth from the time she had been 11 years old, and as soon as Elizabeth was old enough to fight back, she did, much to the annoyance of her abuser. In one last-ditch effort to constrain his daughter against her will, Joseph Fritzl had lured Elizabeth to the basement, drugged her, and locked her up inside. So, I just want to point out that none of the other four daughters had been abused by Joseph, and a psychiatrist interviewed him after his eventual arrest and said that Elizabeth was extremely strong-willed, and Joseph felt that it was exciting to break the will of someone as strong as she was. And Joseph also admitted to, in quotes, holding out on the forbidden fruit, in reference to imprisoning and raping his daughter, for as long as he could and saw the point where she was about to leave the house as his last chance to get what he wanted. Gross. Super gross. I hate him. <laughs> Nobody listening right now is like, okay, sounds good. I think Joseph is a swell guy. Yeah, I fucking hope nobody's thinking that. Elizabeth awoke to find her hands tied behind her back with a chain. The cellar had been prepared for her. A bed, a wash basin, and an electric stove were already in place. The door had been the last piece needed to seal her in her dungeon. How old did you say that she was? She's like 18? She was like 17 or 18. She had graduated high school. She was about to leave. And Joseph, who had been abusing her for years up to this point, said, well, I don't want her to leave. Joseph was angry that Elizabeth didn't follow his rules, as she was an adult now and had planned to move out and start her own life, and is quoted here saying, I had to create a place where I could keep Elizabeth, by force if necessary, away from the outside world. 
She did not adhere to any rules anymore. I only tried to pull her out of that misery. Obviously, this explanation is bullshit, because what actually happened is that for the first few weeks, Joseph Fritzl, her father, kept her locked underground in the dark, visiting her only to rape her or feed her. For four years, she lived alone in the cellar dungeon, seeing only one other human being, Fritzl, her rapist, jailer, and father. First of all, in January 1983, a year prior to her abduction, 16-year-old Elizabeth tried to run away, and she left for three weeks, but eventually the police found her and took her back home to her father and mother. And this, in a way, sealed her whole fate. Fritzl now had the perfect backstory for presenting his daughter as a girl who might be expected to disappear without too many questions being asked. And that's exactly what happened. The grieving parents and sisters mourned the fact, in quotations, that their sister had, and daughter had so callously run away, leaving them with no information about her whereabouts and leaving them sick, worried about her safety. All the while, Elizabeth was locked in the basement below their feet. So you said this was a cellar. Is it below the house or did you say it was under the garden? So, yes, this was a detached cellar basement. So their house was three stories. So there's a main floor, an upper floor, a main floor, and then the basement. And this basement had, like, it was unattached. So around from the garden, he'd have to go outside to go in it. And he had created a secret cellar attached to the basement. So he had a big door, and then that would lead to the place where elizabeth was but you had to access it from outside yes okay but she's kind of right below them but he's probably soundproofed it or something uh yes he he did soundproof it to an extent in august 1988 four years after the abduction with no medical assistance all alone and with only a pair of rusty scissors in her underground prison elizabeth's first daughter kirsten was born Kirsten was the first of seven children that would be born in that small dance Did you say seven? Seven children. I can't even wrap my mind around that. So she's living in a dank cellar and she has seven babies. Over what period of time? 24 years. Quarter of a century. She's in there? What? Yes. And I... (laughs) This... So I had heard about this case tangentially before I actually read a lot about it. And I didn't know the extent of how f***ed up it was. Because obviously, you know, this is horrific. Some guy imprisoned his daughter. But that's a long time. He's got to be hella old. Yeah. Yep. So she had seven babies, all by herself, unmedicated, no medical assistance in this basement. And one son, Michael, because she she gave birth to twins. And one son, Michael, who was one of the twins, died after a matter of days. And so Fritzl secretly cremated his tiny body in a wood-burning stove. But he took Michael's twin, Alexander, upstairs to live openly with him and his wife, Rosemary. Why that particular baby? Like some kind of warped god, Fritzl decided on different fates for each child. So three children, Alexander, Lisa, and Monica, were chosen to become the upstairs family babies, enjoying a normal life with Fritzl and his wife. And then three other children... Kirsten, Stefan, and Felix became the cellar children, <laughs> condemned to spend their entire existence in an underground the prison. cellar children? So what What was he yeah. telling his wife about where he got these babies from? So, Joseph managed to bring these children to his right, wife, Rosemary, without any suspicion, because Fritzl used Elizabeth's record as a runaway to explain both her disappearance and the appearance of the upstairs children. 
So he told Rosemary that Elizabeth had run away from home to join a religious cult and the cult he claimed had no room for children. So Elizabeth had resorted to dumping her babies at the family home. So Rosemary thinks that these are her grandchildren. Yes. This explained why Lisa, one of the upstairs children, appeared at nine months old in a cardboard box on the doorstep in 1992, with Monica following in December 1994, and then Alexander in 1997. Rosemary believed him. Perhaps more incredibly, so did Austrian social services. Mm. And what makes this crazy is that Joseph Fritzl had a criminal record for rape. So he had served a prison sentence for raping a woman in 1967, but it seems like social services did not take this into account when considering Elizabeth's disappearance, and also when allowing Fritzl to adopt the three foundlings. So wait, she was actually reported missing? Like, did she have friends or someone who reported her missing? Nobody oh, reported but her, her missing. her family um, reported her as a runaway. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But with, like, nothing to back this up, and everybody who was her friends who were her friends didn't know where she was right and they were looking for her and confused and she had a job lined up she was going to go to university and she just didn't show up to those things so all joseph used to explain this was she joined a religious cult and apparently she was only communicating with the one parent that she actually hated yeah that that doesn't that doesn't make any sense yeah meanwhile elizabeth and the three cellar children survived in subterranean chamber in a subterranean chamber offering no more than 650 square feet of space. Fritzl's dungeon was hidden behind the shelving of his cellar workshop, and once inside, a narrow 16-foot-long corridor led to a small cooking and bathroom area with a shower. There was running water and electric lighting, but the floor was uneven and Okay, broken. but she had no exposure to sunlight? They must have been pasty AF. And that's coming from someone who is pasty AF. <laughs> And this dungeon was so small, so it was divided into cells, some no more than five and a half feet high. Were they, like, malnourished? He was feeding them, but they were all severely malnourished. They had only one form of ventilation, and it was provided by a tube, so they were severely oxygen-deprived. And, like we talked about, they never saw sunlight. They were sealed behind a heavy concrete and steel door. And Fritzl was a former electrical engineer, so he had done a lot of this work himself. The door was opened electronically using a remote control combination lock, and only he knew the combination. He told Elizabeth and the children that if they fiddled with the dungeon door, they would receive an electric shock and die. And my first thought reading this was, before I knew about the combination lock, of course, but they could have totally overpowered Fritzl. Like, he was an older man. Like, he wasn't old by any means. But he was an older man, and they were like, her oldest was 19 years old. And it would have been so easy to stage a coup, but knowing that there was a combo lock makes it so much harder. And because it's not like they could just guess the code, and what if what if they had overpowered him and tied him up in hopes that someone would come looking for him? But what if no one could find them? This was a little cellar hidden in the basement, and no one in the family even knew about it. So they all could have just rotted in there together. And I guess they could have extorted him, like, you're going to die down here with us unless you open the goddamn door. But it's also possible that Elizabeth felt very vulnerable. She and her children might have not been in good health. Obviously, they weren't. They were oxygen and vitamin deficient. And she might have been pregnant in a lot of these times and unable to exert a plan like this realistically. And also, potentially, she could have been trying not to scare her children or put them more at risk for discomfort and harm. Like, that would have been even more traumatizing. My first thought was, well, why did she try to escape? And then my next thought was, 
compassion because I'm like, there's probably so many factors right here that we're not. They've also been mentally broken. Like in order to escape a captor or an abusive relationship or situation like this, you have to take into account that even if someone is physically able, which they sound like they weren't even that physically able on top of that, your brain has to be working, but if you're being abused, your brain, I don't want to say it's broken, but like it's not functioning at 100%. Yeah. And and think about like on top of that, her dad was probably telling her that her sisters and her mother probably hate her because she abandoned the family and she didn't tell them where they were, where she was, and they've been worried sick about her and now they hate her. Or what's going to happen if you escape and they find out that we had all these children together, right? Like, your family will hate you. They'll be disgusted by you. Like, I'm sure he filled her head with all sorts of horrific things that brainwashed and broke her in a lot of ways. And staging a coup to get out probably would have been even more traumatizing to them, especially because Fritzl was still regularly raping Elizabeth. And due to the small spaces, he often did this in front of her children. He tried to soundproof a room, but The cells in this really small space were small. And so they did witness some of these things. And he would show, this is horrific, so you could skip this part if you need to. He would show Elizabeth porn videos and pictures and force her to recreate them. And he took pictures of this. In fact, the only pictures that Fritzl took in the basement were pornographic ones of his poor daughter. In this damp, fetid prison, three children born into captivity and weakened by lack of oxygen who had never seen daylight were assured by their mother that heaven is up there. How do you become normal after something like that? You said that she was captive for 24 years, so I'm assuming that this eventually gets to a place where she's freed and all of this comes to light. But I'm like already thinking in advance how much therapy. Oh my god. Like how do you how do you become normal? How do you adjust after something like this? I don't even know if you can fully adjust. You'll never be, you'll never be the person that you were before, that's for sure. And like, she spent more of her life in the dungeon than she did not in the dungeon. Just like Elizabeth promised, her children did see heaven, but not because of the mercy of their abuser and captor. On Saturday, April 19th, 2008, Joseph Fritzl carried a critically ill 19-year-old Kirsten into Mozvertel Amstetten State Hospital. Kirsten had fell desperately ill from what was later believed to have been kidney failure. Seeing how dire the situation was, and knowing that she might not make it, Fritzl relented. Perhaps he had had a flicker of genuine compassion, or perhaps he figured that the body of a 19-year-old would be harder to dispose of than that of a newborn baby, like he had done many years earlier to baby Michael. In the early hours of the morning of April 19th, 2008, he let Elizabeth help him carry Kirsten out of the dungeon. He called an ambulance. Initially, Fritzl claimed that he had found Kirsten leaning against the wall of his house, clutching a note from her cult member, Mother Elizabeth. But when he brought her to the doctors, they were puzzled as to what was wrong with Kirsten, and they said they needed more information from Elizabeth. They were like, who is this girl? And she has no medical history, and we can't find her in the system anywhere. And she's not like, she doesn't have a legal last name. Like, what is happening? I'm glad they asked questions. Yeah. And Kirsten couldn't tell them anything, and she was also so, 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 so sick. And doctors were immediately like, something is wrong, because imagine how pale she was. Imagine how ill you would have to look to be dying of kidney failure, right? 
And unluckily for Fritzl, an Austrian TV reporter had picked up on this story and was trying to be a good citizen. And also, this was a big story for a quiet town. And he picked up on the case and blasted this story everywhere, portraying Joseph Fritzl as like a man in despair as he tried to find Kirsten's mother in time to get the information needed to save the 19-year-old's life. Right? And so everyone was on the lookout for Elizabeth. The whole town was like... Elizabeth, where are you? This terrible mother, Elizabeth, abandoned her child when she needed her the most. Like, and it became like, Kirsten is going to die unless we figure out what the heck is Until going on. Until we find her deadbeat mother. Yeah. And so Joseph Fritzl was kind of freaking out. He was like, what, a, what do I do? I could let her die, but then this, this will never die. Right? Like, he, he would never be able to go on as normal. They would always be looking for Elizabeth. And he panicked. As his lies collapsed in on him, it seemed Fritzl felt that he had to take the enormous gamble of taking Elizabeth to the hospital. So on Saturday, April 26th in 2008, a reluctant Joseph Fritzl arrived at the hospital with Elizabeth in tow. Doctors were shocked by Elizabeth's appearance. Her skin was the color of ash. Her few remaining teeth had rotted beyond repair. She looked aged enough to be the wife, not the daughter of her 73-year-old father. Already suspicious about the signs of neglect detected in Kirsten, the doctors immediately called the police. I didn't even think about, obviously her health is going to be in bad condition, but yeah, her teeth would be yeah, falling out. She had seven children, and it probably was nutrient deficient for most of her time down there, but especially in her pregnancies. So police immediately knew something was wrong, and Elizabeth was reluctant to talk to them. And she only talked after the police officers promised her that she would never have to see her father again. And then the, a story tumbled out of her that was so incredible that she had to preface it with the words, no one will believe me. Elizabeth Fritzl had been imprisoned by her father in the basement of the family home at number 40 Yabitra's Amiston for 24 years, from the ages of 18 to 42. He had deprived her of daylight for 8,516 days and raped her over 3,000 times. Kirsten was Elizabeth's daughter by her father, one of seven children born of incestuous rape. It took Elizabeth two hours to give the officers the basic details of what she had suffered. And police and doctors marveled at how she had withstood her ordeal without losing her sanity. They made several comments about how well-adjusted she was, despite the literal hell that she was describing to them. And I'm, so I'm 29 years old. It has been 11 years since I've been 18. Like, to put that in perspective, Elizabeth hadn't even lived half of her imprisonment in 11 years. And that's absolutely mind-blowing to me. That she wasn't, that she hadn't gone completely insane. Like, yeah. And I'm a completely different person now than I was at 18 years old. And she was trapped in that basement until she was 42. So Fritzl defended himself. He told police that he wasn't a monster. He convinced himself that he was doing these, what he was doing to these children was normal and even wholesome. No. Yeah. It was a beautiful idea for me, he said in the interview that was supposed to show that he wasn't a monster. In quotes, to have a proper family, also down in the cellar with a good wife and children. We celebrated birthdays and Christmas down there. I even smuggled a Christmas tree into the cellar with cakes and presents. Whenever I went into the bunker, I would bring my daughter flowers and cuddly toys as well as books for the children. I would watch an adventure film on video with them while Elizabeth would prepare our favorite food, and then we would all sit at the kitchen table and eat together. No. No. 
Execution immediately. 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 I think he should be torn apart by wild dogs, personally. Oh, yeah, do that thing where you, like, tie each limb to a different horse and then they scatter? That's the only way that justice would be served, truthfully and honestly. And even then, it would fall short. Yeah. Of what he actually deserves. The fact that he is trying to normalize it and even make it wholesome adds an entire new level of disgust, though. Because if he was just admitting, like, that it was evil, that'd be one thing. It'd be like, yeah, he's evil. He knows these things are evil. But trying to justify it and be like, no, actually, I was doing a good thing. Fuck you, dude. No. I had a wholesome family. She cooked us dinner while I watched movies with my incestuous rape children. Fuck you. I, yeah. Fritzl also claimed that he didn't need to use violence to keep his captives in line. In quotations, he said, Elizabeth and the children fully accepted me as the supreme head of the family. They would have never dared attack me. I'm sure Elizabeth fantasized about murdering you often. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably the only thing that got her through, to be perfectly clear. She's probably holding out hope because he's two or three decades older than her. Probably like, well, eventually he has to die, right? Yeah, but that would also be scary because she's like, if he dies, we're all going to starve to death in here. Yeah, because they were encased in concrete. Yeah. They didn't live in like a remote area. The neighbors saw him going in and out of the basement all the time. Oh, here's another quote from, from Joseph Fritzl. He said, The cellar of my house belonged to me and me alone. It was my kingdom to which only I had access. Everyone who lived there here knew that. My wife, my children, my lodgers, and no one would have dared enter my realm or even ask me what I was doing in there. Okay, after listening and learning about so much true crime, this is one of my biggest rules. If your partner, if they tell you that there's a room that you're not allowed to go into, like an attic space... Uh, a garage, very often, a shed. If they ever say you're not allowed to go in there and they threaten you and they keep it locked up all the time, you should absolutely go in there and find out what's happening in there. But have like five people and witnesses with you when you do. It's a huge red flag if your spouse is saying you're not allowed to go. Especially if you own the house together, you should be able to access that shed. You should be able to go inside that garage. Yes. They might have a girl tied up in there. They might be dismembering bodies. They might be making bombs. I can think of cases that match all of those situations. Yeah. Please, please look in the forbidden room, but do so safely with other people. And also, so the Fritzl case had provoked agonizing soul searching in a lot of ways. It wasn't just social services who had failed to notice what was happening, but planning inspectors had examined the cellar in 1983, a year before Fritzl used it as a dungeon and had seen nothing more untoward than an extension that might have exceeded the original plans and didn't say anything. And more incredibly, for much of the time that he was hiding a secret family in the basement, Fritzl accepted paying lodgers into his house on the ground floor. One, Alfred Dubonsky, Dubansky, Alfred Dubonsky, Dubonsky, (laughs) Alfred Dubonsky had rented a ground floor room for 12 years. God damn it, Dubonsky. Yeah. He was told he would be evicted if he went down to the cellar. He admitted he had heard noises coming from below, but Fritzl assured him that it was just the gas heating system. Over 12 years. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. (laughs) Like half the time, half the time that Elizabeth and her children were trapped down there. 
But also, if he had actually gone, like, let's say he went outside, went through the door or whatever, he wouldn't be able to get into them, right? Because you need that combo. No, he wouldn't have been able to get into them. And it, the door was hidden behind shelves. So it's not like it would have been easy to find anyway. But if he was hearing noises, he was right above them. Like, I don't know anything about the mind your business culture of Austrians, but it must be on like level 10,000 or something because none of his neighbors said anything. They were interviewed afterwards and said that they had noticed some weird things, but they never asked questions, never thought twice about it, which I guess makes sense. Like at the time, if you see like your neighbor bringing a Christmas tree or like lots of food or presents down into the cellar basement, you're like, okay, that's weird, but you're not going to do anything about it. This is where you and I are very different because I have a huge mind your business mindset where it has to be a lot for me to tell authorities or to report something. Kaylee's the opposite where she's just like, nah, this is weird. I got to tell somebody. (laughs) And it's probably me. I'm probably that somebody that you're going to (laughs) tell. And I'm like, it's probably nothing. One time I was at the beach and I think I already told this story. I told it to you. I don't know if it was on another episode or if it was just in passing, actually. But I was at the beach and I immediately started noticing this guy. He was very drunk looking like he was kind of stumbling around the beach. and The beach was super crowded and he was kind of like stumbling around. And there were people all around on their towels and like hanging out. And and I noticed he had his phone out. And so I like something about him. I was like, I'm going to watch him. And as I watched him, I noticed he was discreetly taking pictures of women in swimsuits and then also children in swimsuits. And so as soon as after like two or three times and I in my brain, I confirmed that that's that's what he was doing. I stood up and I started to walk toward him. Right. And everyone that I was there with was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And I was like, he's taking pictures of children and women at the beach in their swimsuits that no normal sane person with good intentions is fucking doing that. Right. And they were like, no, 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 don't make a scene. Don't make a scene. And I was like, I'm going to make a scene if he doesn't stop. And I was talking louder because I wanted to make him uncomfortable. I wanted to know that I was looking at him and watching him. And he didn't really notice me at first, but I followed him around like from a safe distance because I was still worried that I would get beat the fuck out of. He was bigger than me and he looked drunk. So I'm, <laughs> I, it was still kind of scary. Like I didn't know what he was going to do. But I followed him around the beach from a distance, staring into his soul. And it didn't take him very long for him to notice me. But he kept doing it until I started walking toward him. And then he fucking booked it. He ran. And I was like, do I call somebody? Like, what do I even do? Nobody would catch him. But I am... Citizen's arrest. (laughs) I wanted to so bad. I was so... I was so angry. I was like shaking. I was like, if he even tries to confront me, I'm going to hit him. Like, I'm going to get in a fist fight right now. (laughs) I was so angry. He like walked down to the water to people's random people's children playing in the water just by themselves. And he was taking pictures of them. Oh my God. I should have beat the shit out of him, Hannah. I should have fucking. But my mind your business level is on like negative 12,000. And it's probably because my, uh, my, what's it called? My trauma meter is broken too. So I'm always paying really close attention to everything happening around me at all times. So... I have the opposite problem where I will see something so shady and I'm like, I'm probably overreacting, which I think is actually more common than what you have. I feel like especially as a woman, we're taught to endure so much uncomfortableness or to see things that aren't quite right and then just keep our mouths shut like it's none of my business. Well, yeah, I think we notice a lot of things that 
are potentially dangerous or make us uncomfortable, but we're taught to not do anything or say anything about it, right? Yeah. For a lot of reasons, we're taught that. Because I'm like, I don't want to be rude. Maybe he personally knows all these children that he's taking pictures of. And it's insane because a lot of times predators will will do that. They, They know exactly what they're doing and they do it in a way to have just enough deniability to, if you confronted them, you'd look like the crazy person. Like, even if they're doing something heinous, even if they're, like, reaching their hand under the table to, like, touch you, right? They they will posture the, the situation in such a way that if you caused a scene, you would look like the bad guy. You look unstable. Yes. And at the beach that day, you probably did look more unstable than him. I probably did. And it's because I was watching a fucking predator. <laughs> yeah, I... I think about that that day very often and how I wish I would have just fucking decked him in the throat and then stomped on his balls. Like I <laughs> I'm angry that I didn't that I didn't do anything. But yeah, but I, and I mean in hindsight, of course you're going to look back at what Joseph Fritzl was doing and be like, "Yeah, that was I guess shady." But like in the moment, you're like people bring shit down to their basement all the time. It's easy to justify all the weird stuff he was doing. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of, like, what Austrian social services did, I think there's much more of a fault on their part that Elizabeth supposedly dropped off three children to these people at different ages, and they didn't once try to get to the bottom of it. Because they never tried to track her down at this cult that she supposedly yeah. belonged to. Yeah, because is that not concerning that, like, yes, she's an adult, but she's getting pregnant, and then they are not letting her keep the babies? Like, This seems like a situation where she wouldn't be safe. Something weird is going on. She should definitely be contacted. So Fritzl initially pleaded guilty to rape, incest, coercion, and deprivation of liberty. But he still, however, denied the charges of enslaving his daughter and murdering Michael by denying him professional medical assistance. That is, until he watched Elizabeth's video testimony and was devastated to spot her in court. He had the audacity to feel betrayed by her. She betrayed him? Okay. Yes, he had the audacity to feel like she had betrayed him somehow. But it must have changed something for him because the next day, Fritzl for the first time made no attempt to hide his face from photographers. And when the judge asked him how he felt after watching his daughter's testimony, he quietly answered, I plead guilty. He was sentenced to life in a psychiatric institution. Elizabeth went on to forge a new, better life for herself. She was given a new identity, relocated to a tiny hamlet town only known as Village X, and the residents proved to be fiercely protective of her. She was able to form a happy, long-term relationship with one of the security guards assigned to protect her. The Cellar children, too, have embarked upon surprisingly normal-sounding lives. In 2010, it was reported that Felix, who was five years old when freed, was now enjoying playing games on his PlayStation. And by 2013, he was said to have almost forgotten his time in the dungeon and was apparently attending a school where his classmates knew nothing of his past. But could you imagine going from living in a dungeon and never seeing sunlight to suddenly playing a PlayStation? I know. His little kid brain would just be exploding. (laughs) So I actually read, and it's really cute and super sad. So when five-year-old Felix saw, like they took him out of the basement for the first time, he squealed like he was he was scream crying laughing because he was so excited to see the grass and he like dove into the grass and rubbed himself all over it and was like touching it and smelling it i would too this poor little baby i know 
he had never seen the outside before, and he was so excited that he couldn't contain it. And the investigators on this case were just gutted because they watched these three kids, Kirsten, who was 19, Stefan, who was 18, and Felix, who was five, marvel at like passing clouds, flowers, animals, and just the small beauties in life that were, they were just miracles to these children. Now I feel like I'm taking it all for granted. They had never seen grass. Like Kirsten was 19 and Stefan was 18 and they had never been outside. So Kirsten recovered from her illness and she got a boyfriend. And Stefan, he first saw daylight at 18, apparently had ambitions of seeing the world as a merchant ship captain. I don't know if he got to go on and live his uh, pirate dreams, but he really wanted to. There's no basements. Well, I imagine there is a basement because you have to go into like the bottom of the ship. So I wonder if that actually worked out for him <laughs> if it was like triggering. Because he was also confined to a small space and then had to like sleep in a basement type Thing. It would be interesting so, to find out, though, that, like, every house they've ever lived in afterwards, they're like, no basements! Yeah! Yeah! Oh, that's sad. They to Florida. Florida doesn't have any basements. I don't think they should move to Florida for other reasons. <laughs> they're like, but... alligators! We underestimated other threats! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm super happy to hear that they have somewhat normal lives, or they were able to find happiness right like i love that some village petitioned to have her family relocate there and because they wanted to protect her and her her children so joseph fritzel remains in a special prison unit for the criminally insane and he's now 83 years old and he prefers to go by his changed surname of myroth so remember that we're not giving this man a moment's peace According to one account, he sits alone in his cell, staring at the TV shopping channels, interrupted only when another inmate walks past and hurls insults at the locked door. According to another report, which emerged last year, he still hopes of enjoying his life on the outside and maybe one day of going fishing again. And unfortunately, Joseph Fritzl is currently appealing to be released, as the courts have deemed him to be no longer a threat to the public at 83 years old. I personally think he deserves to rot in a cell for the rest of his miserable life like he was planning to do to his daughter and his children, but... Do you know anything about the psychiatric evaluations or the psychiatric treatment? You said he was... Was he being rehabilitated? Did they f diagnose him with anything? They didn't officially diagnose him from what I saw. They, they might have, but I just didn't see anything. The psychiatrist in one of the reports said that... Joseph Fritzl treated Elizabeth as like a game almost, like it was exciting to try and tame her. And that, that's the vibe that he gave off, or he said something to that extent. Okay, but that's not a mental illness. That's just called being an asshole. An asshole to a degree, like, that maybe you should be diagnosed <laughs> with something. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't want to give him an excuse. Oh, no, he doesn't have an excuse. And, and as far as I can tell, he doesn't have like, a diagnosed thing. He's just a bad person. Evil. Yeah, he's just a bad person. Um, yeah. Which I like, because I hate giving him the... I hate giving people who do shitty things the excuse of, like, they were just suffering from mental illness. Bitch, I have mental illness. I've never done anything close to that. And I never will. Remotely close. You don't even have a basement. <laughs> And even if I did, I would only think about doing it to, like, the people at the beach, that guy at the beach. That's it. 
Kaylee's going to get arrested for waterboarding that guy at the beach in her basement. He was drunk enough that I probably could have held his head under the water in the ocean and scared him. I know there's something wrong with me because I shouldn't fantasize about hurting that man. But also at the same time, I think there's something wrong with you if you don't. So I don't know if that proves even more that there's something wrong with me or what, but. No, I think that's normal. But also like, I'm not the gauge for normalcy, so. Yeah, I probably shouldn't bounce this off you and ask you if I'm normal. Should I sign us off? Would you like to say anything else? No, I just two thumbs down. If I had more thumbs, I would put more thumbs down. Two thumbs down and then two big toes down as well. Two toes down. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be confused with ten toes down, which I'm not 100% sure what that means, but in the context that I've heard it in, I'm pretty sure that means like you're all in. Oh yeah, it means you're surfing. Hang ten. Ten toes down. I think that's what it is. I've heard it in the context of like, you're my bro. I'm ten toes down for you or something like that. Okay. I'll just trust you. Not not a direct quote, but I have no idea. Again, I don't know you what You know how means. we figure it out is we walk up to someone who looks like a California surfer and say, I'm ten toes in, bro, and see what he, rea- see how he reacts. Good plan. I don't think that could go wrong at all. The best way to find out what words mean is to use them on people and see how they react. Or, or we could just go to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> okay, no, you can, you can sign us off. I, I can't talk about this case anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Crime Soup Podcast. If you want to listen to more of our episodes, you can find us on crimesouppodcast.com. That's where also our merch is. So if you want some Crime Soup merch, that's where you get it, crimesouppodcast.com. You can also find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We have platforms everywhere. So follow us there. As always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Stay safe and bon appetit.